You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Amen. Thank you again for giving, and thank you for being here at the Gateway Church. And if you're checking us out online on Facebook Live, welcome and uh, enjoy the service and let God come through the airways and bless you there. We want to say thank you for being here, whether this is your first time or maybe you came at Easter and you're back or maybe you've come for in the last couple months and you're back again this morning. We want to say welcome. We are glad that you are here. Easter was a phenomenal Easter for us as a church. Easter 2019, we had the highest attended Easter in the church's history. We were just over 400 people, and uh, it was exciting. It's exciting to see the church grow, amen? And I realized on, sun, on Monday morning, I was praying and just spending some time with the Lord. The Lord prompted me, kind of put a thought in my heart, that it's not the messages that are making the difference. It's not the great worship set. And it's not just having thousands of peeps on Easter, although peeps don't hurt, do they? So peeps don't hurt, but it's not the peeps, it's not the message, it's not being here and hearing the worship or participating. The Lord prompted me that it's the people that are making the difference. You are the reason that we are growing. And the Lord really put that in my heart. You are the reason we're growing. People getting into the game. People caring for each other. And from the outside, people made me looking in and saying, what in the world is happening at the Gateway Church? Why are they sending so many missionaries? Over 110 every single month are being, are being uh, supported. And then the, why do the people there give so much? Give so much of their time. They're saying, man, you want us here every single week? And go to a small group, and people are doing it. Or their talents, they serving, helping, driving a bus, or helping with funerals, or behind the scenes. And then when it comes to the money, the treasure aspect, saying why in the world do those people in the month of April give over $90,000? And then they're supporting 112 missionaries a month. And then they want you to tithe, to start, and then above and beyond that. Something is happening at the Gateway Church. I bet there are people that are saying that. And what I would say to any of them, it's the people. It's you that are making the difference. Why do we give so much? It's because it's absolutely worth it. Amen? Last week, we celebrated the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as a church and as, an, as, as individuals, if the resurrection is true, which we believe that it absolutely is, we stand at the grave, right, at the tomb for a season, but then we rejoice and we serve, we get working, we share our lives, and we say things like, my life is not my own. 
I'm going to give back. And by the way, there are many of you that are stepping up in this season. You're inviting your peeps, right? You're getting in the game. You're taking your relationship with the Lord more serious than you have ever. And it's the people that are that are taking and moving the needle here. We're living the mission. And we talk about living out our mission uh, every single week. And I just want to remind you, we do that in three ways. First of all, by connecting with God on Sundays. And uh, w- that's so important. And then connecting with God in the middle of the week. Right where you're sitting, you should have seen a uh, soap reading uh, for the month of May, which is starting this week. We want you to take this. It's the minimum expectation that you're spending a little bit of time with God every day. Read a, a, a chapter or two and Get God's word in you. If you're not doing that, you're crazy. You need the word of God inside of you. Then we say we want to connect with each other, being in connect groups. we got connect groups meeting all the time, and you can go online and figure out how to do that. And then we connect with the world through giving, through missions, and through serving and all of those things. And you guys are doing it. Amen? Amen. Well, today... And next week is going to be a response to our Easter message. How many of you guys were here for Easter? A few of you were, I know. And uh, Easter points to an answer to a question everyone should ask. It needs to be on our radar. And the question is, what is my greatest need? What is your greatest need? And last week, we took our time getting to the answer that our greatest need as humans is to be forgiven. Our greatest need is to have a Savior. And it doesn't matter if you've got good health and adequate money in the bank and you've got a happy family. All those things are wonderful blessings, right? But if you do not uh, get your life right with God, and if God does not forgive your sins, all of those blessings are useless. Your greatest need is to know that God has forgiven you from your sin. And we talked about that last week. Sin is an uncomfortable word. People would rather say, well, I've made a few mistakes than say, I have sinned. But it's our sin that keeps us. It separates us from God. And we have to have our sins forgiven. Our greatest need is to be reconciled with a holy God, uh, the holy God of the universe. And by the way, that's why we exist, is to create those opportunities for people all across the lakeshore and to the ends of the earth. Church, Jesus is the answer to our greatest need. Jesus is the answer for your and my sin problem. Now, I know that you say, well, what's the answer? Well, it's Jesus. And that's the simple answer. Or it's kind of cliche. When I, my kids were younger, growing up in the house, they'd come home from kids' church or maybe from the, uh, the preschool class. And we'd say, hey, what did you learn about? And I knew I'm pastoring. And I, they're talking about Joseph or they're talking about Father Abraham. And what was the common thing they always say? What'd you learn about? Jesus. It's like the right answer, right? And I get it. But today, it's not only the right answer. We're going to deep dive into it. And we're going to, I want you to know, it's more than just a cliche. It's more than just the answer. Because you know what? Every faith, every tradition offers a solution to sin. 
with their religious system. And many and most of those have works related. But only one person, church, offered himself as the solution. See, Jesus said, I don't just have the solution. Jesus said, I am the solution. You see the difference? And the greatest minds, the greatest theologians, the greatest teachers have wrestled with those claims for centuries. I really like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, look, with claims like that, either Jesus was lying and he knew he was a liar, or he was crazy, he was a lunatic, or we better pay attention because his claims were true. And today, I believe that Jesus' claims were true, and we need to pay attention to who Jesus is. And so let's just dive in. Say, who is Jesus? Right? For all of history, since Jesus lived and walked on this earth, uh, every era, every timeline, Jesus was popping up. Even in the dark ages, uh, Jesus was popping up. Great philosophers, great historians have and continue to write about Jesus. There are poems and plays and architecture and art and music throughout the world. I've traveled a bit myself. Every place I've gone, there are remnants or monuments to Jesus, people pointing to Jesus. And that's 2,000 years after he lived and walked on this earth. We're still talking about Jesus. And so we're going to take a little deep dive for the next few moments. And I know we had a lot going on early on, but we're going to be brief. And then we're going to receive uh, communion. And uh, the Lord's going to really meet us today. And uh, let's just deep dive into Jesus. This is a message for us and for us to champion in our workplaces and in our homes. For those that don't know the Lord, you can take what we're about to talk about. I encourage you to take a few notes and let this be a blessing to you. Number one, Jesus was a man. He was human. It's a historical fact that Jesus lived. And it's interesting, when you read the scriptures, you find out that Jesus got tired and he was hungry, and he had friendships, and he had enemies like some of us do, right? And he wept. He wept over the city when he looked at Jerusalem. He wept over his best friend, Lazarus, right? He was human. Luke twenty-two thirty-seven says he was numbered with the transgressors. In other words, he was human. And we got to remember that he was human, 100% human, but he was unlike any other person you've ever met because Jesus, number two, claimed that he was without sin. And there's dozens of verses about this, and you can jot some of these down. 1 Peter 2.22 says, In him there was no deceit. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. 1 John 3.5, In him there was no sin. And you think about it. If there was a 30-year-old that just stood up in our congregation today and said, you know what, I just wanted to let you know that I've been living for 30 years and I am living without sin, we would all think they are, what, crazy. Right? A lunatic. But Jesus, he didn't sin. He had never made a mistake. 
And you're thinking, if someone said, well, I've never made a mistake at work or at home, or I've never sinned, you'd think, no way. For me, as your pastor, if I stood up and said, yes, I am without sin, I'm 42, thank you very much, my staff would be the first ones that'd be like, excuse me? Or the board, they'd be like, something's going wrong, right? My kids, Logan's here, he'd be like, uh-uh, I know better. And Jessica, my wife, who I'm closer to anyone in the whole world, she would be calling me out. In fact, she'd probably leave, right? If I said I was without sin, it would be the end of me. They'd be pulling my ordination. They'd be saying, you're done. You can't pastor. But that's exactly what Jesus said. And people listened, and they understood. And we understand from the Gospels that Jesus was tempted just like you and I are. He resisted, and he overcame. Jesus claimed to be without sin. He also claimed to be the Son of God. Now, this is a huge claim. Luke chapter 22, verse 70, uh, the, the Pharisees are saying, Are you the Son of God? They ask him straight up. He kind of sidesteps it, but answers. He says, You say that I am, right? And he kind of alludes to that. And over and over, Jesus is saying, Look, I'm the unique the only Son, incarnate Son of God. And again, these are huge claims. And not only did he say, I'm the Son of God, he claimed pre-existence. John 1.1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know that the Word there, Word, is Jesus. That Jesus was in the beginning, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. We see that in verse 14 come alive, right? And the Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling among the people, just like us. In John chapter 8, another place, uh, Jesus is talking about himself. And he says, before Abraham was, he says, I am. He claimed to always have been. Again, put your mind around these claims. They're huge. Either he was lying, he was crazy, or he is the Lord. And we would submit that he is. So was Jesus who he said he was, or he implied to, to, that he was? We could look at his teaching. His teachings were the highest status, or the highest ethics. He was persuasive. His teachings were hard-hitting. His knowledge of the Old Testament and his understanding was far beyond any other Pharisee. He was amazing. They were amazed by his teaching. But... In his teaching, he would ask questions or make statements like we studied last week in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, that said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, which were the cream of the crop, the ones that were always following the rules, unless your righteousness, how good you are, unless you're better than the Pharisees, you will not make it to heaven. I mean, huge claims. His teaching was revolutionary. And he also claimed that he had authority. In Matthew 28 to 18, he said, I have all authority over heaven and of earth. And we saw that played out in several stories throughout the Gospels. The wind and the sea, they all obeyed. In Mark chapter 4, 39, he spoke the words, peace, be still. And the, everything was still, just like he commanded it to be. He was and is God 
of nature. He also had this, uh, the authority over diseases. Church, this is huge. John the Baptist, who had baptized him earlier in his ministry when Jesus was first coming out uh, for, to be in full-time ministry at the age of 30, and John the Baptist was watching from a distance. He's actually in prison, and he sends his disciples to Jesus and says, Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we've been waiting for? And what does Jesus reply in Matthew chapter 11, verse 5? You can write it down. He says, The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the leopard is cleansed, and the good news is proclaimed. Jesus had power over disease, sickness. He also had power over demons. We find that in several different spots in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 8 is one example. There were two guys that were demon-possessed. Jesus cast the demon out, sent the demons to the pigs, right? The pigs run off the cliff. The people get upset. But those two men, they walked away. They regained their sanity. Jesus had the power over demons and the demonic. And at Jesus' death, what happened? When Jesus finally gave his last breath, there was an earthquake. The veil in the temple was torn. There was power all around that. Matthew 27, you can read about that. And for those that were following Jesus in that first century, and the first believers, they're saying, what just happened? Earthquake, veil, Jesus is dead, he's in the tomb. They're thinking, that's it. But if you keep reading, we keep on reading, they, would have, they wouldn't have seen this coming. What about the resurrection? And the truth is, church, is that the story of Jesus is not worth telling apart from the resurrection. Otherwise, Jesus would have been just a wannabe Messiah. But nobody expected or believed that there was going to be a resurrection. It's interesting. You know, Thomas gets a bad rap. He was called Doubting Thomas, right? Because he said, no, until I see the hands or the feet. Well, he says that because he hadn't seen yet. But none of Jesus' followers, including all of his disciples, and the women at the tomb and all that, until they met Jesus face to face, they did not believe that he had been risen either. The resurrection was the ironclad proof that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was God, God Almighty. It wasn't his great teaching. It wasn't the miracles. It wasn't even the signs and wonders, although those things were amazing. It was the resurrection that caused the people to be convinced. The first century believers, many, so many of them, gave their lives for that truth. The disciples, even James, the brother of Jesus, his own brother, he believed was a son of God. We could take some time to talk about that. But Paul and others, and so many gave their heart or gave their, their lives. And so many, even in our culture today across the world, are saying, you know what? I believe and I will sacrifice and I will go and I will even give my life on a mission Sunday like today. There are missionaries all over the world saying, I would give my life for this man. And by the way, your pastor 
would be included in that. I would give my life I would before I renounce my faith. And I hope you would too. Without the resurrection, though, there's no gospel. And the gospel is the good news. The good news is that Jesus is not dead. Amen? It's not just wishful thinking. Church, Jesus is the answer to our greatest need. Period. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, right? That whoever would believe would not perish, but would have everlasting life. We looked at that last way, last week. It says that Jesus is the Son of God and that he gave his Son. And I want to remind you that our greatest need is to be forgiven, to have a Savior. And you're saying, okay, so if my greatest need is to be forgiven and Jesus is that answer, how does Jesus forgive sin? It's a great question. And I want to take you just a few verses, and then we're going to ask, ask the worship team to come. In fact, Anna, you can come at this point. For 1,500 years, until the point that Jesus was, lived on this earth, it was tradition, in the Jewish tradition, that there had to be a blood sacrifice in order to cover sins. An innocent animal, a lamb, had to be sacrificed. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, we see this, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There had to be sacrifice. There had to be shed blood. And so when Jesus came as the Savior, as the Son of God, he had to give his life. It was always the plan. The blood of Jesus was the covering. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 it says that he gave his life as a ransom. That's Jesus. Gave his life as a ransom for many. What that means is he gave his life. He gave it up. He freely gave. John 1, 29, Jesus called, was called the Lamb of God. That was by John the Baptist. He declared it. And then later that same chapter in verse 34, he says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. In other words, this is the Son of God. John the Baptist declared that. He got that understanding from the Holy Spirit. One more verse, Colossians 1.14. I know we're blazing through these just for time. Actually, in verse 13, God says that he has rescued us through Jesus. And then in verse 14, it says this, In Jesus, we have redemption, forgiveness of sin. It's crystal clear. Look at it. It's in whom we have redemption. It's Jesus where we find forgiveness of our sins. It's Jesus. Church, Jesus is our Savior, period. And not only ours, He's my Savior. I like what C.S. Lewis says. He says, Jesus is the Son of God. He concluded that. He's got a great book called Mere Christianity and uh, how he, it was his faith journey, how he came to understand that. It's in that book where he talks about liar, lunatic, or Lord that I mentioned earlier. He says, you may not be able to prove it scientifically, but there's proof, he says, in my changed life. And I 
would say the same is true for me. Jesus has saved me. My life is different. And your life can be as well. See, Easter has come and gone. We don't stay at the grave, but we do celebrate. We continue to share that Jesus is our Savior. He's saving. And my question is, do you know him? Do you know him? Simple question. Do your friends know him? Do you, does your family know him? Because the truth is, in this life, on this side of eternity, absolutely nothing comes even close to how important it is. Nothing else matters other than the fact that your greatest need to be forgiven is taken care of. Now, I don't know everyone's story here, but in a crowd this size, week in and week out, we believe that there are those that show up at the Gateway Church that are away from God. Maybe they had a relationship at one time and they need to come back to the Lord. Or maybe you're here for the first time and you're saying, this is all new. But you're realizing, man, I've got some sin issues. Or you go back and listen to the Easter message and we talked about sin and really dove into that. You're saying, man, I've been here now two weeks and I need a Savior. But we want to lead in a prayer. And I want you to be really cognizant that if you're saying, boy, I'm in that place where I need a Savior, I need to accept, I need to, I want you to agree with me as I pray. And I believe that if you confess your sin, it says in the Bible that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so I want to lead you in that prayer. If you're here, in fact, let's just all bow our heads and close our eyes. Just acknowledging our need. And would you pray and agree with me? Lord, I, we pray that in this moment that you would just awaken our hearts. Show us our need for a Savior. And God, for us, that, that for each of us, Lord, we, we declare that we're sinners. We know that. We've done some things wrong. We've been separated because of our sin. But Lord, we also know that you sent your son, Jesus. And Lord, today, we're putting our faith in you. Lord, we're saying, God, we, we, want, we choose you. We're, we're asking you, Lord, to be our Savior, our Lord, and our King. Please, Lord, come in and take away our sin. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, we give you the praise and all the glory for it. Help us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. With your head continue bowed and eyes closed, I'm just curious. Is there anyone here that agreed with that prayer, saying, yeah, that was my prayer. I'm the one that needed that. Yeah. Over here, who else? Just with your, I just want to just slip up your hand. I want to just acknowledge, yes. A couple here in the middle, yes. Fantastic. Yes, another one. Praise God. We're almost finished with service. At the end of the service, we're going to ask those of you that just raised your hand to meet us right here on 
my left, your right at the altar. We want you to make yourself known to us again. When everyone else is leaving, come forward. We've got some tools, some simple next steps that will help you to, to go to the next thing. And we encourage you to do so. Hallelujah. There's just two things. If you're here for the first time, we want you to make yourself known. We'd love to connect with you at our Connection Center here just briefly. Make yourself known. We've got a really cool gift for you we want to send you off with. And it also gives us an opportunity to follow up with you. So that's number one. But there were five or six uh, individuals this morning that raised your hand saying, you know what, that prayer, that prayer of salvation, that was my prayer today. Don't leave. Don't just hustle off. We want you to come forward. And Pastor Bruce is going to meet you right here. He's not going to keep you very long. We've got some really easy, quick next steps for you to consider as you start your journey or continue your journey with the Lord. And so we want to make sure you're aware of that. And, uh, and so please, please, there are five or six of you. Uh, let's make sure we do that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. Bring us back again next week in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.